Money Show. Small business. Our small business feature, Pablo Fatidis, listening very closely to African Rainbow Capital Investments Chief Executive Johan van der Merwe, because if Warren Buffett was in town, one wonders just how many of those businesses he'd want to buy from Johan van der Merwe. In fact, would Warren Buffett want to buy our business? I wonder, Pablo Fatidis, how do we make our business sellable? Well, there are a couple of things we have to do. And I can tell you this much, Bruce, most business owners that I speak to are so wrapped up in their businesses, so engaged, so uh, fraught with the many, many challenges, especially over the last year, year and a half or so, that when I turn around and say, what lies ahead? The answers are more and more vague. And the reality is, through no fault of yours or mine, there are only two destinations for every business in the world. And that is either a successful sale or closure. And the odds are stacked against us. 94.6% of businesses started globally fail to sell. And the issue that I have with that is that many business owners believe that simply because they're building a business that's generating good income, that's put a roof over their heads, that's giving opportunities of work to staff and employees, that's making a productive impact in the world of everyone centered in and around that business means that the business itself is sellable. It's not the case. And the stats are there to show it. So but it's a great, it's a tragedy. Sorry, that, the better. Yeah. It's a tragedy though, because people spend 10, 20, 30 years building a business and it's lacquer and they go on ski holidays and they just have the best time. There's the holiday house near whichever small town that you like. Um, all of these wonderful things. Um, and they've built a great lifestyle out of their business and it generates profits and they do well. Why is the blimmin' thing worthless at the end of you know, when they choose to step down? Because, you know, Bruce, we, we, we get wrapped up in how we start our businesses naturally. Most people start their businesses desperately undercapitalized. There's very, very little startup funding available. So you start the business, and as a result of starting it, your mind is centered around the need to generate cash flow, to keep the wolves from the door, to pay for expenses, to pay your suppliers, to collect money from customers, to employ people in order to build the business and get it going. And at the same time, you have your own demands. You have to meet certain obligations at home. Um, you might have a family, you might have kids, you might have payments that you have to meet. So what happens is we build the businesses to generate income. And after a while, the way that you build the business, the way that you start the business and work and operate in it becomes a habit of doing things. It becomes very hard to realize that, wow, what I'm doing at this point in time is what I did a year ago, two years ago, five years ago. It's working because I'm generating income, but it doesn't mean that I'm building something that will be sold. And the reason for it is that businesses are not bought. They're built to be sold. If you don't build a business to be sellable, it won't emerge sellable despite the amount of income you might have generated for yourself. So how do we do, what do we do to get to a valuation that is worthwhile for us as the seller and the buyer as the buyer? 
Well, you know, the starting point is to realize that what you need for your business when you decide to sell it is not a very credible valuation methodology. What you need is entirely emotive. You might run some numbers. You might look at what you have ahead of you. You might have a look at what payments you need to settle. If you've built a good business, you largely are sitting in a situation where you owe nothing. You owe very little. But you might turn around and say, I'm 50, I'm 60, I'm 65, I'm 70, whatever the case might be, I need so much for me and my family to do well, to move into an elegant retirement, uh, to buy the red sports car or the Rolex watch or whatever it might be that sits in your space. That is not a valuation methodology. Valuation is mathematical. And its maths is calculated to compare risk and return across the market. And the second issue is that as special as you think your business is, as amazing as you think your business is, as wonderful as you might think it is, as unique as you believe you are, Bruce, I promise you, there are thousands and thousands of businesses for any buyer who has the funding, the incentive to buy, the interest to buy, to compare you against the many others. So the valuation methodology suited to your business is something you need to get your head around because evaluation is mathematical. Mathematics has levers in it to increase valuation and to reduce valuation. Understanding those levers becomes vital because if you're building the business, what you're constantly doing as opposed to running it, you can build and bake those levers into the business today to support an exit and valuation tomorrow. And that's all well and good. We can get ourselves fighting fit and we can be all ready and, and supercharged and ready to sell our business and we go out and we look for buyers. The trouble is, buyers are going to look at our business fundamentally differently to the way we look at our businesses and they're going to behave differently to what the way in which we expect them to behave. Because they've got a very specific hit list of questions, aren't they? They do. They do. There are effectively five questions that a buyer asks in their mind when they sit across the table from you looking at you and looking at your business. And these questions are designed to do two things. The first, the first part of it is for the buyer to start calculating whether they can get a return on the business. So it's risk-orientated. The second part of the same set of questions is to evaluate how they can reduce the price of the business by picking out the flaws in the business and making you insecure around the business itself. So understanding how that buyer thinks and what questions the buyer asks, if you can get that into your mind space today, it affects how you build the business for tomorrow. And it'll put you in a position where absolutely you build a business to generate good income, but you also build it to be sellable so that when the day arrives, forewarned is forearmed, you're best prepared and you will get a deal done. It'll put you into that 5.4% that do succeed. I mean, there's so many questions, I suppose, and it's your business. You've started it. You've run it. You've hired all the people. You've created the systems. You've done all of that work to make it yours. Now you want me to buy it from you. 
and I've got a different idea. I you know, don't. I, I like what you do, but I don't necessarily like the way that you do it. And then I'm going to say to myself, hold on a second, who's going to run and operate this thing that is loyal to you, that has got your DNA spread all over it? Well, you know, before we even get to how will it run and operate, Bruce, the first question a buyer says is what makes you different? Whatever business you're in, I promise you there are four or 5,000 other businesses. What makes you special? And if you can't give an answer that distinguishes you and separates you from the many others out there, immediately it's a mark against the valuation and it's an opportunity to impose a risk discount on the business. The next thing the buyer says is, well, if I buy it, how far into the future can it continue? And what happens with many business owners is because they keep um, books that are not a priority. You know, there are very few business owners I've ever met that believe you build a business to generate a good administrative back office. And if you don't keep your books in ship-shape condition where you can demonstrate growth in the past, a buyer then says, well, how far into the future can the business continue for? And you already hit one of the key elements because they're going to immediately start looking for that word that you mentioned again, without me mentioning it first, which is systems. I've converted you, Bruce, after all this time. <laughs> I'm, just I'm not converted, I'm just defeated. It's different. <laughs> it's a resignation. No, don't exactly. resign. <laughs> if you've got systems in the business, it lets you demonstrate how far into the future the business can go using systems we can deliver into the future what we've delivered into the past. The third question, as you rightly put it, is, well, who's going to do it? Because in a buyer's mind, they're saying, well, am I buying the business to get a return? Am I buying the business to grow it? Am I buying a business to run it in the way you have run it? You have said it's a fairly easy business to run. You've agreed to show me the ropes. But quite honestly, it never quite works that way. So who will run it? Will your staff stay? There's a well-known adage that says that people work for a boss, they don't work for a company. And what is the culture that's being created? What are so the bad good. habits mm. in the relationships that exist? Are people truly inspired by the business? Are people happy at work? It's a very, very difficult thing to evaluate. And, and there's also- to Demonstrate that very clearly. And there's, there's also the thing is just how much growth is left? How much further? I mean, if you wanted to get out now, is it because you've seen the end of the runway? Is it because you're just fed up and want to move? What are the reasons for you selling it? If you kind of go, hold on a second, I've milked this thing for everything it's worth. I just need some sucker to take it off my hands so that I can retire or <laughs> use the money to go and do something else. Then that that's critical. And I suppose that's where private equity players are theoretically quite good at this because they go in, they invest in a business. They might spend five or seven years invested. And by the time they leave, they're giving up some of those future profits because they want somebody to buy it from them at a decent price. Yeah, very much so. And, you know, in, in many ways, Bruce, if you think about how the valuation process works, I look at the run rate of the business, the ability of the business to generate free cash. And then you give me a price on the business. I run the maths and I say to myself, Okay, so it's going to take me three years, five years to recover my investment, and then I'm in the money. 
What a good buyer does is a buyer looks at that valuation and says, okay, at your current growth rates, it's going to take me five years to pay off the business that I'm acquiring from you. And only then in the sixth year onward, will I be in the money? Is there growth? Is there growth in the business beyond what you've managed to eke out? If there is, and I can recover my investment in two years, then it's a good deal and I'm excited. And that has a big impact on premiums. But what happens if the business was all about me? It was me, me, me all the way. And everybody loved me and my customers loved me. And the business was me, me, me. Can it live without me? Well, what happens is uh, you meet me. You meet me at the age of 22. When When I bought my first business, I paid a rand for it. And I paid a rand for it because it was clear and evident that without the owners in it, there was nothing to be bought. But you took on a lot of debt and it nearly killed you. I did did take on a lot of debt. Sometimes a rand can turn into over 4 million rands worth of debt. It's a very, very expensive lesson. If a business cannot operate without the business owner, then it's not a business. Effectively, the business owner has simply built a job for themselves. And because they themselves are not for sale, Bruce, what would you expect a buyer to do? A buyer is going to turn around and say, thank you very much, been fantastic meeting you. Let me look at business number seven, and I'll move through the list until I find the business that meets all my requirements in these five questions. Making your business fit for sale, Pablo Fatidis this evening from Auric Business Accelerator.